0: Thank you for joining us with the Carpe GM Gamecast. This is uh, Dan. I'm Mac. Brian. Steve. Today we're going to talk about villains and antagonists. Uh, That ever powerful tool in the GM toolbox. A good villain goes a long way. You know, it it, it can make or break a game. Most GMs are good villains. (laughs) Some players are pretty good villains, too. (laughs) Yeah. So, with the concept of villains, uh, obviously, when a villain, we're talking about any antagonist in a story. For, uh, for a gaming group, that's somebody we put there that has an agenda, that has something that they're trying to accomplish, or that they've already done and you're trying to trying to stop them or bring them to justice uh, as the player. Now, there's a lot, a lot of different kinds of villains or antagonists that can be put into place in a, in a story for your players to run against. What are some of those concepts? I'm going to start us off. With the stereotypical cartoon villain, the snidely whiplash.
1: The inherently evil-to-be-evil evil Dan person. Backslide.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The guy that's like rubbing his hands together and cackling, which yeah. is only exists in that medium. It's just the cartoon guy. You know, at any point, has anybody had their villain grab a damsel, tie him up, and put him on a train track? Oh, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, of course. Of course you have. <laughs> Mustachioed. Um, exactly. Handlebar mustache, twisting it. Sounds like Waluigi. Waluigi. <laughs>
2: Always seem Italian too. I don't know. Why yeah, why are all the bad guys Italian?
0: <laughs> Unhand her, Snidely Whiplash. Yeah. Never. <laughs>
2: oh, you know, Russian.
0: So we'll get that one out of the way real quick. Um, this villain, stereotypical, is at best a one-shot villain. Or if you're playing something like a, a Tune game or something, you know, very light-hearted, maybe a Quags campaign or something like that. You can, uh, you can use this kind of villain there. But if you're trying to run a long-time campaign with this guy, you're probably going to fall short of entertainment with your players. It's
1: not much to grasp onto other than he's just evil for he, evil's sake.
0: Just evil to be evil. Yeah. I think a really easy way to
3: turn a, a single adventurer villain into a reoccurring thing is to have him constantly escape at the end, you know, like a claw from Inspector Gadget. Yeah. 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 Whenever you turn the, train, the chair around, he's not there. Now, that's a way to take one of those cartoony villains and keep having him come back. Or the puff of smoke
0: but and but poof. That's they can all.
1: always be fun, though, in games, you know? It'd just have him be like, oh, there he goes again. Like, we almost <laughs> got him. Yeah, but they can... <laughs> I hate that guy. <laughs> they they can be, up our plans.
0: They can be fun, but not, not very de- interesting. Yeah, there's not, not a whole depth lot of to the depth character. to that yeah. to that villain. Yeah, if you're um, really
1: trying to sell it from a storyteller's point of view. There's not really much to tell other than
0: absolutely. And that, I mean that that's the way I that's the way I run games. From a storyteller's point of view, the nuts and bolts that make the story make the game for me as the GM. And they I've found in my experience that it, it usually makes the game for, better for the players as well. And also, those little nuts and bolts that are turning in the background, for me as a GM, that's what I'm doing to have fun. Because I'm not actually in the party, having the story told around me. I get to know what's going on in the background and come up with the plan, and you know, whatever get might Get to be, be the going. villain. Yeah, I get to be the villain and everybody else—the damsel in distress, the uh, the damsel's father, everybody.
3: You love being damsels, don't you? I do.
1: <laughs> Dan in a dress. Damsels. Damsels oh. in distress. <laughs>
0: That's terrible.
3: Now I think there's something to be said for the sort of villain that uh, uh, grows with
1: the group. It, it,
3: the the variation on the cartoony reoccurring v- villain is like the uh, your rival from Pokemon.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he's the, always there at the wrong turn. Completely <laughs> two
3: dimensional. The only part of him that actually makes him a villain is that he's against you or in your way. Yeah. yeah now
0: now the rival was a type of a character was a type of a villain that I wanted to talk about. I'm glad you brought that up. And it it, it works out, you know, and then it just just throw something out there. You're the adventuring party, you're heading toward this dungeon to go do the thing for the king and get the stuff and bring it back, whatever, and as you're coming up to the entrance, another group of adventurers are coming out. And... If that happens two or three times, every time you're going to go get the thing, they are already there and they're leaving. I hate these guys. I hate these guys. <laughs>
3: Belloc from Indiana Jones. That's who I exactly was <laughs> thinking exactly, you know, exactly,
0: exactly. Now, they didn't do anything actually to the players, although if they see them enough, you know, you as a GM, you know, eh, they start taunting a little bit. Eh, showing up uh, like, a, like a blister, showing up when the work's done, as usual, boys, and... You can you can you think about that like
1: out. the party then has to decide if they really want to consider these people you know hostile threats or not you know, even though they really haven't done anything against them.
0: Uh, Post apocalyptic world, no gasoline. You're trying to go find gasoline for your your village that's left in a tankard somewhere, and you show up there, and right along the way you come across another another band of, um, of scavengers. scavengers looking for gasoline for their village. Now, you're both competing for that same tankard, but does that make them a villain? No. Makes it
1: life or death kind of situation.
0: That's exactly correct. Now, those characters have death, maybe, in depth, maybe. Depth. Maybe uh, somebody's got a sick daughter at home. It's Maybe like a horror they're... zombie survival situation, but yeah. the same kind of thing.
3: Sympathetic villains in that case, yeah,
0: absolutely. And the sympathetic villains, kind of what I like to play around with. I like my villains to have depth. I like the
1: motivation to
0: be humanish, you know, depending on the race, but to have to be able to tell that human story through them. Uh, I think makes a connection with the players that either you know, may steal their resolve and make them hate them that much more or maybe feel a little bit of compassion. Well, I think a very important thing that constitutes a villain is that is their personification,
3: that they should have motive and emotions and, and be fully fleshed out. Otherwise, it's a, if it's just a blank opposition without th- those same sort of emotions and
0: uh, personality, it's just a, it's really just a puzzle. Yeah, it's like, just how yeah. can I get there faster? Mm-hmm. How can I beat them in a battle? How can I you know, do anything like that?
2: Yeah, I think motivation is really important. It's like the first thing that I thought of when I was thinking of what constitutes a villain. You know, Absolutely.
0: Is- now, let me, let me ask you another question, okay? The first, not the first, maybe the second or the third game that I ran my kids through. I gave them their character sheets, didn't tell them who they were going to be and what they were going to do. I told them that the story was that they are a group of villagers who have to protect their village from the monsters that are that are attacking it. And uh, when they wake up in the morning, there's an attack underway right now. Here's your character sheets. We start rolling dice immediately.
1: Now, Good once,
0: once they looked at the character sheets, they realized that one of them was a kobold named Urda. One <laughs> of them was an orc slasher named uh, Ravine Bloodline or something like that. Uh, one of them was, uh, was a half-giant named uh, Dorman Oaklegs. <laughs> uh, in any case, they realized then that they were the quote-unquote monsters that they've fought in previous campaigns and, and read stories about. And then they saw the villains. They saw the bad guys. The monsters for this campaign that were attacking their village were humans from the neighboring village in, in the area trying to clear the woods so that they can build... Homes for their families and so on and so forth. Ferngully style. Exactly. Uh, I don't want to say exactly, but similar. <laughs> flipped um, the
1: whole villain concept on its head a little. Flipped bit. it
0: on its head. Gave. I mean, who gave, is the villain for real? Exactly. Gave my uh, gave my group my kids a different perspective on the people that they're fighting. Now the fight goes on for a little while, and ultimately the PCs lose this battle. Obviously. But as, uh, and, and one, one specific death in this uh, battle was uh, Gerda, the kobold. This was my youngest, uh, my daughter. And she uh, shot with an arrow or something. I don't remember what happened exactly, but her hit points go to zero. I described to her that as she falls, blackness starts to crowd in around the edges of her vision. And the last thing she thinks of as the pinhole of her vision expires are her three cubs that are in the cave behind her which really put a deep spin on the fact that these guys are the monsters but they have there ulterior monsters motives. for a
1: reason and like they're monsters in the minds
0: of a normal like human being absolutely with, like a good alignment yeah good is subjective yeah in this case and I, th- I thought that taught a really valuable lesson for my kids and since then uh because before that it was just paint the paint the walls of the dungeon Red, with the blood red of my the enemies. the blood of orcs. <laughs> yeah. uh, but since then, if if I send up a uh, a goblin emissary or a goblin prisoner, they may listen to him a See, little I bit. See, I have a heart. I, they I, still may lop his head off at the end of the diatribe, but they still may listen to him a little I
1: bit to I need to do something sort of that with my playgroup because most of the times I love to kind of give that little like hook at people of like, oh, this goblin is here and he's begging for his life or like he want, he says he wants to help you and nine times out of ten like, <laughs> Right, and the whole yeah. didn't the ask gr- for you. The yeah. holy man in
0: the group his sword burst through his back yeah. before you <laughs> oh, get to you finish can't. with the with the <laughs> box text. Exactly. See, is, how dare you
2: approach us?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think you are?
3: Now forgive me if I'm wrong, but didn't you uh, kinda meta campaign that session with your kids there? Didn't you end up uh, coming back? Coming back with them as the human. Actually, basically?
0: yes, I did. Um, they were we were playing a concurrent campaign, and they were the heroes in the, of the village. And I think they were called the Knights of Westbridge. I think they called themselves. Uh, but in any case, they um, later on, a few sessions later, we were back to playing our normal daily, our normal weekly game. And um, I had them run through that scenario, metagaming some of the the situations that they remember having. Don't kill
1: that kobold. It's got a family. Oh,
0: it's still dead. Yeah. (laughs) The the tree that fell in the middle of the battle falls in the middle of the battle, bursting in flame from the mage's fireball. And that's what made them realize, wow, this is we already know how this is going to end. It's inevitable. It still didn't stop them from playing it. And they thought it was really cool, the, the paradigm that that created for them. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun, and I got to teach them a, a nice little principle b- about that. Because before that, before those specific sessions, that maybe six, eight months that we'd played those sessions, kids had really only had experience playing uh, a couple of board games. I think Dragon Strike was one of it. It was a... What a stinker that one was. <laughs> but that's how I introduced them to the game, and they liked it. Uh, before that, they had been playing video games and WoW and such, and... You know the monsters were just numbers. It's a cut or and dry. Hurdles. It's less cut and dry.
1: Evil. More, Absolutely. More. It's what brings a role playing experience to its core.
0: That's the difference between tabletop role playing games and uh, games that have an engine driving it that isn't tailoring it to your gaming experience as a player. So yeah, that was a nice little aside. But types of villains. Back to that. Now you've got your villain who is. You got your villain who is selfish. In one way or another, he's got a goal. He's got something going on. He's got a plan. He he has to do this. He has to take over this town. He has I, to whatever.
1: I particularly like that kind of villain, especially if you play it as almost like a vizier to a king or something like that. Like the evil behind evil, like the puppet yeah. master kind of character that's yeah, selfish absolutely. in his own right. So it's a very fun thing to play as a DM, and it's a good way to put story hooks in for a game group.
0: I, I, I tend to call that character the butler. <laughs> yeah, you know, as far as that's the butlery, that's the butler villain. And whenever I'm making my shorthand for my uh, my my outline for my campaign, I write it down as the butler villain. Jeeves. Yeah, yeah exactly. I know exactly the type of paired the the type of uh, character this is going to be just from that little shorthand word. And that's kind of one of my things is whenever I'm writing down, I'll, I'll I will compare a, a villain or an NPC to an actor or a character or something like that so that I can embody them as I portray them for the uh, for the party the butler villain the uh, the guy that is behind the scenes and Seems deep down like you guy. know you should have suspected him but yeah. you really just didn't
3: that's the mysterious variation on the mysterious and jealous variation on the selfish villain but, yeah uh,
0: the other selfish villain is obviously the king from the southern kingdom that just wants to expand his borders.
3: The power mad corporate executive
0: corporation was another type of villain that I had that I wanted to. Bring
3: well, the up. executive one is a single person. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had groups in mind myself as
0: uh, yeah corporations. Serious villains. They tend to have ridiculous amounts of resources. Corporations and lots of bodies to put on the field. You know, almost hand in hand goes with like religious sects or cults. conspiracies. Yeah, yeah. Something or if you're like playing that. like a shadow run, everything's all the villains are corporations. You're trying yeah. to steal stuff and trying to steal information from a multi-million dollar mega, mega corporation.
3: Well, the corporations in, in a game like that are almost too big to like... Oh, they're so too big. To, to think of. That's also, the concept. It so the also
1: action- gives them all motivation, too. Like, yeah. it, like, that's the underlying motivation for those villains. So you're just like, oh, we're part of the corporation. We get paid. <laughs> like...
3: In other sorts of campaigns that don't have quite such a big corporate scope, I mean, oh like yeah, con- yeah, yeah. conspiracy type type stuff. When you're opposing a the uh, Illuminati not, type, not necessarily faceless, but uh, yeah. a definitely a multi-headed at least uh, sort of group. Exactly. It allows you to have some successes and some losses against them. Uh, it, it lets you have different characters with different motivations that uh, villain characters yeah. that have the same overarching uh, continuous opposition to the players but still have their own personal motivations that can sometimes suit the current situation a little better that sort of thing
0: yeah yeah now you had brought up, oh, we work for the corporation. How about that cold, calculated, murderous bastard that just is just doing his job? Like the assassin, the guy or with the shark the bounty eyes, bounty hunter, or something like that. Yeah, guy. exactly. How about that guy? The bounty hunter is a great, a great, a great shtick to put in a campaign. So so good because he's not. I mean, he's evil, but he's only evil by nature. He's kind doing kind a of, job. Uh, yeah. Or maybe he's not even evil. Maybe you guys are the ones that are questionable. Yeah. So, that, you know, but that kind of strays off into another, another type of villain that I wanted to cover. But the cold, calculating guy who's just doing his job. He's just making sure that whatever goal he has to attain to get whatever this job done is, he's going to get there. And if your leg gets broken or your child gets killed in the process, then you're collateral damage. You shouldn't have been in the way in the first place.
3: Variation on that is the guardian golem or the uh, virus-infected computer so right, they they don't care why. They're yeah. just going to They're
1: programmed you. to do a certain thing and they're going to do whatever it takes to get it done. Absolutely, cuz that's what they do.
2: They have no morals. <laughs> they have no <laughs> like, re- See, now,
1: like reason to
2: question why they're doing it even really. But maybe
0: maybe now, now their morals may be in question, but their honor probably isn't. They have a specific code. It's almost like emotionless, kind of. Yeah, but they yeah. have a, they, but a, a villain like that has a code that they're following, and that's yeah, why that, they're able to detach themselves they from, could have that, yeah. from I, something like that.
3: I would say that what defines an antagonist is their opposition to the protagonist regardless yeah, of absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, the moral or ethical nature of their motivation. Which is where you get good guy and bad guy villains. Yeah, or yep.
1: the ones in between.
0: And yeah, the gray. I love the gray. That's where I play. We play in the gray most of the time. Is this guy Two neutral? Uber gray villain. I don't know about the neutral stuff. That's kind of how (laughs) my parties end up being. He's like, are
1: they (laughs) evil? I can't. You you play
0: (laughs) in that. You you give them those gray social quandaries that they have to try to figure out what they're going to do. There may not be a right answer, but watching them squirm and try to figure out what they're going to do and trying to react to that as the GM is the fun part of of a lot of games for me. How about? The good guy villains. The guys that think that they are actually... Most villains, I guess, think that they're doing what needs to be done. There are obviously some self-serving the righteous. villains. But the righteous villain. The villain that is killing for his church. The villain that is hunting down the last bloodline of the family that destroyed his family's name hundreds of years ago. Could be a government agent. Could be a government agent. Could be any, anything where they have an ethos or a code that they're following that specifically puts you as the villain as the hero in its in their way I'm not sure that righteous is
3: well though there is so, totally a righteous sort of good guy villain there's also just the good guy villains who are right for instance if you're running a, a some sort of thief campaign, though, thief is your party's professions, and that's what they do. Ocean's Eleven guys,
1: yeah,
0: all nice yeah.
3: guys, the heroes, completely the steal money and put people out of business, <laughs> yeah. and Absolutely. people lose jobs. Like that happens. And the cops that go after them are not necessarily righteous about it,
0: but they are right. Yeah. Well, the the casino owner himself, he's probably a scumbag. Right? He was a total scumbag. <laughs> he paint, that's the that's the cinematography that painted him that way. He was a complete scumbag, but and it's it was his money that was getting stolen. I mean, that was <laughs> that was the, that was the like
1: deal. The do you have the right to kill the guards kind of thing? Like, yeah, do the you...
0: the bloodbath party members where exactly. they just go in and instead of trying to sneak past or whatever, the swords come out or the guns come out or anything like that. And I think as a GM, you if that's not the kind of game you're trying to play, if you're not trying to play explosions and paint the paint the walls with the blood of your enemies, then you need to install consequences for those uh types of actions uh that's that's your job if they're able to waltz willy-nilly through your through your world whatever you've created and they're just killing people left and right and nothing ever happens of it they never run into the guard's brother who is now taking care of the guard's wife because (laughs) the man's gone or they never run into the innocent bystander in the infight they never run into his son who doesn't understand why his father got killed could, yeah, as collateral could be damage. any
1: sort of... And that goes back to motivation again, I yeah. think. Could be any sort of thing. Like a villain could be working to attack the parties and kill them or something like that because his sister is dying somewhere in a village and they promised him they'd heal her if they if he did this thing. Necessarily not an evil person, but does what he has to to get no, the job done. No,
0: not an evil person in that light at all, but you, as the GM, need to make sure that at some point that reveal is made. Yeah. That, hey, this guy had a good reason to be here causing the problems for you that he was causing. And then you can kind of watch your players make the decision on what to do with it. That goes back to that gray moral conundrum that I like to play in so much.
3: And obviously you have the option to switch the focus of your PCs to the more evil clerics that bribed the guy into sending them after him but you're right if 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 that he just uh, if the guy whose sister's dying just attacks the party and they yeah. just kill him in response you've lost all the story elements that yeah. you were trying to do there
0: you got to make sure it gets in there either before or during or in some way as you're portraying this guy he needs to some of that information needs to get leaked to the players so that it's just not another redshirt that's running their way that they you know, one more set of hit dice that they need to knock down.
3: And in all honesty, some of that's picking your game. If you're playing like 4th edition or even sometimes 3.5 uh, edition Dungeons & Dragons where a large portion of the rules are dedicated to combat, they're probably just going to kill that guy.
1: Oh, yeah. absolutely. And that's can... where a good GM stands in, though. It's kind of like putting the players into that situation and having to have those moral quandaries. It is in some, in some ways, though, a GM shortcut to pick, for instance, a less
3: combat-oriented system so that your players are less automatically inclined to do stuff like
0: that. Or a more deadly system so that when the gun comes out, you know,
1: stuff gets real. Yeah, or, it's it's or more of a decision to pull out your weapon. Absolutely.
0: Or, yeah. You know, when, when bullets start flying, people die.
3: Well, no. again, I'd say that that's less combat-oriented because everything—you're cutting edges off of the— beautiful tapestry that can be back and forth combat.
1: Yeah. The flourishes and
0: yeah, the cold war. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the waiting till somebody hits when you're down. Everybody's expended all their powers and everything it comes down to the thief and their dagger. Mm-hmm. Miss, 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 miss. Miss. Eventually, somebody's going to hit and that's going to end it. But until then, you're talking 10 minutes around while people roll and uh or Gandalf arrives or yeah, <laughs> or or something explodes. You know, and some, and then people run away.
2: Yeah, I've got uh, a few more villain types that I really go back to whenever I think of villains. And one of them is how we talked about the uh, good guy villains. And you can see them as villains or you can see them as, you know, like how he said, somebody that just they're just doing what they think is right. And not everybody agrees with that. I see usually a type of villain who isn't really out to get you. But if you get in his way, he's not going to go easy on you at all.
0: Oh, absolutely. So, there's, so your collateral yeah, damage. Yeah.
2: If you just you know let him be, he's not really going to affect you directly. But don't try and stop him to you know just be a do gooder because if you do, he's not going to go easy on you.
3: Another good way of doing recurring villains. Magneto's yeah. not interested in killing oh, the X Men no, because yeah. he loves mutants. But
2: that's why I like Magneto so much. Yeah. yeah. I've also got usually go go back to this idea of dehumanized uh or concepts. They're villain concepts. So like everyone in Hydra, Nazis, mm-hmm. just Nazis. Right. They're they're <laughs> villains in real
0: life. <laughs> they're real life villains. So everybody likes killing zombies. Uh everybody likes killing Nazis.
1: They're a concept. Like I mean, the faceless ones almost like if just you, like fa- like just
2: another guy in a suit. Yeah, you yeah. can make oh uh this guy, but he's a Nazi so he's automatically a villain because he's a concept, you know, that's right. he's the of villain. a villain concept yeah. that Undead. is villains. <laughs> Undead are basically like the Nazis of medieval, yeah. you know. It's dehumanized too, so it's real easy to just be like, Oh, okay, I understand now. You don't have to do any prep in, work, like in depth yeah. type of explanation except unless you want to, you know, give his bio, but still <laughs> if he's people got- are gonna want to kill him anyway, probably <laughs> unless they're like, Oh, never mind. He's, he's,
0: got- he's right. <laughs> if he's got the badge on, you know, yeah. he's gonna get shot. You know, that's just all there is to it. Or he's going to get cleaved yeah. in half. Or...
2: And I've also got... Uh, I keep coming back to another idea where the fool... Where it's kind of ah, like...
0: Ah, the unfortunate villain. That's a good one.
2: They're not really uh, planning anything. They just... They're Mistakenly just, become the
1: villain. <laughs> <they're> <laughs> just, like <laughs> colossal screw-ups. Yeah, <laughs> and, I know some people like that. <laughs> uh,
3: if Megatron is your protagonist, uh, Starscream is your fool villain. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: Those are a couple of good concepts for villains as far as um, the fool one's one I hadn't thought about. So that's that's the fool.
2: And uh, just I usually I really, really like that idea of the guy who's just he's doing his thing and maybe somebody disagrees and he he might not care, but just don't get in his way. See, I I kind of I kind
0: of tend to see the. PCs the parties as that guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those are the ones that, you know, they're kind of doing their thing. He's, they're probably trying to do the right thing, but regardless of whether they're trying to go save the princess or rob dungeons, that's you know, Rob, that grace. makes,
2: yeah, that makes sense because I mean the, the PCs are like the neutral area in that. And yeah. that, that concept of villain is usually in between. So he's usually in between great evil and great good. And he doesn't want to go to either side, but when he tries to do his own thing, one of those sides will you know try and stop him because they you know, they don't see his way you know
3: yeah. a villain like that almost has to inherently have a High power level too. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's, he's got to be yeah. able to keep doing his thing, yeah. regardless of regardless of the opposition. Yeah. He's always got
1: an escape plan. He's always got a trap set up for everyone. And like well,
0: don't we're not we're not necessarily talking about the GM Munchkin villain, <laughs> which is you can never see him, you can never hit him, you can never catch him, you can never you will never beat don't him. Don't even roll those dice. You, you just don't even bother <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. this uh, number one, I'm going to sting you with my uh, silver tongued wit, and then I'm going to disappear. While stealing the ring off your finger, those guys are extremely frustrating for the PCs, and you can use that as a tool. But if every villain you come up with is the same, your thing. untouchable baby, <laughs> yeah. the PCs are going to get sick of that really quick. So you got to be you got to be prepared to sacrifice your villain, no matter how cool his backstory is, at any given point, because the PCs are going to surprise you with uh, with their tactics. You know, I, that's the thing I call the player's advantage, the player's edge is that no matter how many eventualities you come up with as a GM, whether it's for a villain or a keep or you know, a setting or anything like that, the PCs are always going to surprise you. If they're yeah. not, you're probably not engaging them enough. You're not yeah. doing your job if they're not surprising you. Oddly enough, I found that to be true, that if you aren't engaging your PCs enough, you're going to run boring games because of it. If you're running fun, loud, raucous games, and that's what you're going for, then you win. If you're sitting around the table and everybody's just kind of mumbling around, eyes and half open, got the iPhone out. Night, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're not engaging them enough. They're not focused enough on their characters, the setting, the villain, anything to care about thinking outside the box to solve a problem or or take care of, uh, take care of the situation at hand. Now, I don't know about you guys. Have you ever had a turncoat or traitor villain work in your campaigns? I've done it before, it, but the it, only problem—it always is works once with one, e- every e- game e- group, e- right? E-
1: <laughs> it's almost just like, yeah, we knew he was evil, or it's yeah. like, uh, who cares? <laughs> like, kill him now. Like, I have no sort of attachment to this person whatsoever. Like. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, it's been my experience with that that, you know, you can get a game group with a turncoat or a traitor one good time. And after that, they're killing every NPC. They say. Yeah, yeah, basically like, <laughs> Nobody. everyone's a traitor. Hey. No one. Hey, well, you know, I'd really, I'd really like to go with you and help. You know, I, I've got some good skills. I can help you out. And the PCs are just counting the sessions until it's time to slab them in their sleep.
1: How many hit points does he have? Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> hey, what what's that What kind of do? armor is he wearing? <laughs>
1: does he look like he's skilled with a sword? Does he look like he's got a bunch of money? Hey, Steve, <laughs> you take the buy. <laughs>
0: So, the turncoat is a tough one to pull off multiple times, but it can be a lot of fun. That reveal, if it's done correctly, is, is a fantastic It's fun feeling. to play that
1: character, like the turncoat, traitor, like Silver Tongue kind of person, as a player to your DMs and PCs. Also,
0: with, <laughs> uh, with, with the kids' campaign, the, the campaign we were running then, their uncle came in for a uh, for a guest appearance. And I uh, had him play a character, you know, and he's a ham. He's great. The kids love him. And then i talked talk to him, talk to him out of game, and uh, saying, okay, now it's time for you to, to do this and turn the tables or whatever. And so when when Uncle Curtis uh, is the one that's the turncoat, you know, oh, my gosh, that, yeah, was, that w- was staggering.
1: It, it was works a, a lot review. better if it's a player who turns on the party. Yeah,
2: because it's funny. Uh, one thing you could actually do that I just thought of is you could have – Someone be a turncoat and have every once in a while, have everyone at the table, not just everyone besides the turncoat, because it would be obvious then, just make a sense motive check. And whoever the turncoat is has high bluff. Yeah. So it's like he just bluffed his way in with this party right. and bluffed his way through so like kinda, six sessions. Yeah, put like the <laughs>
1: idea of something in the air, like something's up. So and you, you
2: actually put it in the game terms, yeah. like, okay, you've bluffed your way through six sessions with this party and you fought side by side. Now you can do whatever now you, you can want. Them. Yeah. I've I've had it. They're a, all asleep. Go ahead and like kill them all. It's their fault. They didn't pass it, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: And nothing nothing perks up the players' ears like dice rolling and they don't know why. Exactly. Yeah. You know, They're all right. trying to figure it out. You know, <laughs> like, what was that oh, for? Oh, don't worry no, about it. I know, man. <laughs> you know. I've I've
1: had it before where I can think in one specific campaign where I had it was like a pirates theme campaign, and I had one of my players play like this elven prince who was escaping from his like family basically and his family was following him and he was basically to the point where he was like offered the throne to his realm and become like an elven king or whatever yeah or stay as a pirate but either one like if you choose either way he basically was declaring war on the other one so he basically had to choose to either become a traitor to the party or a traitor to his people and he sort of became that like traitor-esque character even though he chose the party over the you know his his family, but like his character was labeled as a traitor to everybody. Yeah, else. he became
0: a villain for another, camp, another group of PCs. Exactly. somewhere else. Yeah, so, once this guy you play him out for a and few I levels, I say and you that that turned out of very
1: well. Was a whole lot of great role playing there. Good,
0: the mysterious villain, the guy that nobody ever sees. The guy that you only see the aftermath of what he's what he's done, or you 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 come to the, you show up to the bank and the money's missing, you know, or there's a clue left for you. Yeah, right. there's a calling card or something, you know, something along those lines. That villain is less about the role-playing aspect of the villain and more about the the concept of the unknown for the PCs, where the villain becomes something in the PC's mind that uh, every time they turn a corner and they think they've caught him. All they find is the empty hat or the, the dummy that was put there to make you think he was under the covers or something like that. Now, that villain, that villain's great for a campaign. You can run that for a few sessions. But, again, with the whole if it has hit dice, we can kill it, the minute you put it on the table, that feeling of the unknown and, I guess, maybe fear, maybe not fear, maybe just trepidation disappears once you start rolling dice on it. Now, if they get away, it's a whole different type of villain. They get away. Now it's a chase game. Now we're trying to hunt them down. Now we have a focus. We know, you know, they've made a mistake because I saw them. So now it's a different type of game. Once you turn that corner, you can't go back, and you can only really do that once in a while with the PCs because that's another stereotypical, archetypical villain.
3: Now, I have to say, I don't like when a mis- a mysterious villain gets played out for too long. Oh, absolutely. I think that when you create that kind of villain, you have to be at least willing to leave a breadcrumb trail. You
0: got to drop clues.
3: Because mysteries that I'm just not allowed to solve right now have always frustrated me. If I don't get at least a little something, it's yeah. it's it's the puzzle that's filling the room with sand that's impossible to solve. <laughs> right. Or
0: or it's you're walking down the hall, you're you're walking down the street and you see the big gilded doors and you want to know what's on the other side of the door. You don't know. Okay, well I pick the lock. You can't pick the lock. Well yeah. I cast a spell. I can't you can't cast the spell. Spell doesn't work. Spell doesn't work. Alright, well I'm gonna chop start chopping out with Max. Okay, guards come out of nowhere and they pull you away. <laughs> it's like I wanna know what's behind the door and <laughs> I retire I'm, my character. Exactly. Yeah, I'm gonna sit down character. and start starving myself. <laughs> Those are the type of things that PCs can get stuck on. So you gotta be careful with that. Yeah. Whether it's a villain or a place in your game or a building and you might be as the GM trying to keep them because what's behind that door they're supposed to find in seven levels. They're not powerful enough to take care of it right now. But you, as the GM, probably let something slip somewhere or something like that. You didn't. You just, didn't play it right because now they know and they just, want in. Just let them see it. Yeah, here yeah, it they'll is. They'll learn. Surprise! <laughs>
2: they will know. <laughs> that's that's usually what I do. Actually, I just let them see it. Like I open
3: yeah. the door. You eh. see a gigantic monster. I close the door. <laughs> I close the door. <laughs> <laughs>
0: A slime approaches, thou art dead. <laughs> 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 thou art roll whole new character. Yep. All right, get the character sheets out. There was, a, there was an interesting article I read. It was uh, by a guy, named, uh, a guy named Vladimir Prop. He uh, analyzed a bunch of Russian, sto- uh, Russian fairy tales, and he came up with eight basic concepts of uh, dramatis personae. I don't speak Latin. <laughs> I'm sure someone will correct me on the forum. One of which was the villain or the antagonist. Uh, now, there are six other, six other pieces to this puzzle, and some of them kind of bleed in with some of the stuff that we were talking, we've been talking about all this time. The false hero is one that, uh, that the guy that takes the credit for what the hero's doing, or, you know, something along those lines to complicate the hero's life. You know, that's, that's a pretty good one that can be turned into, uh, turned into a villain pretty quickly. These, uh, characters are told from the perspective, are written down from the perspective of the hero, so... The villain is the bad guy. The donor, which is someone who helps support the hero by giving him something, giving him a piece of information. dangerous to go alone. Yeah, something like that. There's one for the hero who gets a valuable sword or, you know, some, you get some valuable information, you find some book from them. But the villains tend to have that type of thing, too. You, people, a lot of the times, tend to think that the villain is just a one-dimensional character and he's acting alone or, you know, the, your villain is a very secular unit Whereas your PCs have this entire support group of NPCs that they're drawing on uh, every, every step of the way. Now, the villain may have a dispatcher who sends him off on a mission. He may have a helper who is the guy that tags along. Or the unfortunate fool that falls in with the wrong crowd. Or knocked on the wrong door at the wrong time of day. Now, the hero may have the princess of the prize or the MacGuffin to, that he's going after. But the villain may too you know so you got to keep that stuff in mind when you're when you're crafting your villains and your villainous organizations and and the dichotomy that is the bad guy for your campaign you got to keep those in mind that the heroes have this entire support group and this entire lineage and they got to this point by doing a certain thing in a certain time at a certain place they got here following a path the villain got to where he is following a path, too. He didn't just appear and try to take over the world. He's gained that agenda somewhere. Unless he was specifically created for that purpose. Unless he was specifically created that, for that purpose, in which case, you got a whole different backstory to come up with. Ultron. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you haven't, if you have, if you ever checked it out, if you're into the whole old Russian fairy tales and everything, go, uh, go hit Wikipedia and hit Vladimir Prop. He's, uh, it's pretty cool concepts. So, Brian, what's your favorite villain that you've ever faced as a player in an RPG? Ooh, um
1: I would have to say there's been, there's a few that stick out in my mind. I'm a big fan of uh I don't know what the correct turn of it is, but we like to call them solo campaigns where it's usually a single GM and a single or a, a GM in a single player. Yeah. And
0: uh you can have a lot of fun with solo games. Yeah. You get a lot of role playing in and
1: it's kind of where I've enjoyed a whole bunch of big chunks of playing. At it's, D&D. it's harder
0: to focus with a big group of people around the table Yeah. unless they are a bunch of really good role players in which case it can be so much fun to have a to have a big conversation like that but go yeah. ahead solo campaign solo yeah now. no uh
1: i played this one where as a, a friend of mine danny was running a campaign and i was just kind of playing a dwarf who had like a, a fighter who is like you know i had a a beef to pick with this guy who kept me as a slaver right know, uh and i went like even though it seems so not packed in but like that slaver to me and that one on one campaign was like more diabolical and more evil and i had or no i had like so much more satisfaction bearing that axe into his head over any other villain i've played and all right, against right. in a long time just cuz
0: You'd established a real good Connection. bond with Ex- that villain. Exactly. So rolling that last D six felt really good. I yeah,
1: think. and there's another another little quick one I had was uh, actually Steve over here was uh, DMing, and we had this villain who ended up coming outside of this bar that we were or like kind of like building that we were fighting uh, that we were fighting in, and the the fight took place in the streets and like on the roof on uh, on the roofs of the yeah. building and we were like jumping from building to building like throwing fire bombs onto like the thatched <laughs> roofs and like the whole buildings were burning down and stuff it's like if you can create a really cool scene like if you set up like the cine- cinematography of the mind's eye like it creates that villain into like this ultimate bad <laughs> that's just like oh I'm leaping across the building and he's flying across the, like the town and I'm le- I'm like jumping off and I'm throwing my my alchemist fires and he's Word. like chopping down with his axe like it's just like if you can do that, it creates like more of a, a villain to me. Like you just be like, Oh wow, this is awesome. Yeah, it's
0: definitely the immersion of the character, the immersion of the PC that creates the that creates the drama that comes along with the villain. Or what do you got, Mac? Favorite villain you've ever played against as a player in an RPG?
3: My favorite villains, several times over in different campaigns, have always been opposing players.
0: So traitors or Rivals or that type of thing?
3: If I had to say the best one, uh, in a campaign I played in, actually, uh, that Brian GM'd and mentioned before, uh, a, a pirate campaign in which it was very cleverly set up that all the players had side times where, with the GM where they could talk about their own personal story arcs. And several of the different story arcs were in opposition. And th- it would even come down to dice rolls and actions taken in front of each other, sitting at the table where you can't be entirely sure why the other person is in opposition to you because you don't know their story right you don't know you there's something missing with your puzzle and having it be multiple pieces in opposition having the multiple parts of the story and the the
0: revelation of those stories was great cool i'll go ahead and throw mine out there my favorite villain i faced as an rp in an rpg kurt the guy i mentioned earlier uh he used to dm for myself and, uh, and some other guys and And uh, my favorite villain I ever faced was this dark elf character. I guess he was loosely based on like Jarl Axel from the Salvatore novels. But he was this super slimy, slick, super slick, oh my god, you loved hating this guy. Yeah, those are great villains. And, And he never, we were adventuring and trying to stop some slavers from taking some people and so on and so forth. But we stumbled across this guy in that point and he was just an enterprising slime bag. And he had his hand in a lot of pots, had, uh, had a very busy... Now, he didn't have an organization like brigandireth or, or anything like Joel Axel. It was just him, but he was a busy, busy guy, and he was slimy. We must have fought that guy three or four times, and he got away from us every single time. Now, that's a, another thing, the power level of this villain. Since he was a solo, he had to have enough stats and enough build and enough oomph that he could take on the party yeah, by himself. or enough resources to, that he could take on the party by himself. So we're fighting him three, four times, and we've had long conversations with this guy from across caverns or whatever, you know, where we can't get any closer because he's too slick. There's no way we're gonna get a hold of this guy. Finally, we get him down, and it's a huge knockdown dragout fight. The PCs are laying bloodied on the floor, and and myself, I was playing a wizard at the time, and I was I had like one hit point left, you know, whatever. I'm just about done. It's over with. I get whacked one last time. And I'm as I'm falling, the halfling in the party. All he's got left, his weapon's been tossed. His, you know, his bow's been broken. He has a coffee mug, and he grabs it and he just throws it at him. Rolls a critical, <laughs> smacks him in the head, knocks Durandian out. Now, at that same time, the last. Two members of the party were myself and the halfling. We're both falling over. It's <laughs> so over. So like everybody's so just on everybody the ground. So everybody is. It's a Mexican it's like, standoff. Whoever. The scene was who's going to wake up first? Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden the battle became hurry up roll roll your constitution check everybody <laughs> roll in order come on let's go let's go let's go and obviously Durandian woke up first so when we woke up he was gone. But he oh, uh, didn't slit your throats in your sleep. He didn't. He was gone. He was gone. He was a weirdly honorable guy. He had some stuff to do. We were in his way. You know, we weren't on his list. Uh, and obviously, later on, we teamed up with him for whatever reason. We had some other stuff we had to do. But the hatred that I fostered for that character. Oh <laughs> like, my god, he's so awful. I so hate this man. He's the worst. Like I have to. I had to literally separate it from Kurt. I had to make sure that I knew somewhere I deep inside you. me <laughs> that I do not hate Kurt when he's playing this character.
1: Uh,
2: we had a campaign where the entire player character party wound up just turning evil, basically. We came in good. Everybody's got that one. Yeah.
0: Uh, we, <laughs> that is not an original game story. <laughs> yeah. I think PCs yeah. are inherently evil. It's yeah. hard for them to play good.
2: Yeah. We killed a uh, local hero who was archetypal of another certain hero that exists in comics. We got caught doing something, but I can't remember what exactly it was. And we met, <gasps> we met, we met this guy <laughs> yeah. at his house, and he was basically like a district attorney. Yeah. And not only did we fight him at his house, but we fought him in the courtroom. <laughs> so that was pretty <laughs> awesome hilarious. because I remember the first confrontation we had with him, like scuffle at his house, was through a, a closed iron gate. He had this mansion, and uh, we. Wound up getting it like this big. It was just all role play. Like it wasn't any. No, there was no dice rolling involved, really.
0: Oh, heated argument. That's where you build the hatred. But we had this <laughs> this huge ass That's argument.
2: That's where it lives. And everybody was like, "All right, I- I'm gonna break this guy's arm." And some <laughs> like somebody wound up getting their arm broke. Uh, and I just remember like feeling like this is this is like I'm really getting in a fight like out in the street <laughs> yeah. streets with some guy behind a closed gate. Like that right. is big mansion and now we're gonna go to court with this guy let's do this man i'm ready to whip this guy's right (laughs) yeah it was i can't remember what we got caught doing but we (laughs) i just remember yeah like you said i have a a real hatred for the guy because because of the confrontation we had and it was just it, it went so much further than just Okay, I take my move action. I attack him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: I'm pretty sure I'm going to send Kurt a really angry email as soon as we're done here. <laughs> You're like, hey, I remember that. Hey, man, you remember that time. <laughs> All right, so now here's the big question. You ready? Who wants to answer first? What's your favorite villain you've ran as a GM?
1: Oh, I have a good one. I would like to go first. You go first. I have a good one. What you got? Uh, It was like a set action piece set piece, but involved... Multiple villains okay, from like different like kind of mythoses and motivations like we were talking earlier We have like I was running this like kind of like steampunk uh, Bprd type of game in savage worlds. Yeah, and uh, we had this like train fight that we were doing and I had like the perfect music going on in the background right. and everything and this uh, Character we had that was uh, one of my party members. He was playing a guy Who was like a ninja? He was sort of like a ninja, but he was a a member of the immortals, the Persian immortals, and he was actually like an immortal. Right. And he got on top of this train, and he was fighting in a member, like an elite member of the Illuminati. Yeah. And like, just he didn't know what the hell was going on. He was like, "Who is this guy?" He's like, "I've shot him like six times, and he's still up. Like, what (laughs) is he
0: doing?" (laughs) Now, you're, you're talking about this game. Now, before that. Before that, because this is something that we worked on together as yeah. far as a concept. Before that, don't forget that you had the timed chase Chasing. through the street yeah, it, that really ramped up the stress. It, yeah,
1: everyone's like heart was racing real bad. They've
0: got 10 minutes to get from their room to the train station before it leaves. There's been a conspiracy. There's been problems. They're, the PCs are looking at a clock ticking while they're <laughs> Literally playing. Literally a clock. I'm
1: like, you have a minute and a half left. Right. right.
0: And they're looking and they're watching this clock. So during that point when they're just fighting, you know, just uh, situational obstacles, the clock is the villain. And so then when they finally reach their destination just as the planes leave, and that's when you introduce the real villains and they think it's over. Exactly.
1: Like, oh, we made it. But
0: even that, they didn't even make
1: it. One of our party members who was playing... It was like Russian werewolf type of guy turned around while the like the pursuers were like chasing them to hold them off. Hold them off. He's gone. That yep. he, he left the party right then and there. Like yeah. he was just like, you guys go. Like that's the mission. Is what go. A, like what I, a great I, way we, to end your character. Yeah, he's, we're not gonna make it like it without somebody holding these guys off. So go. He stood behind. Had a great little character arc to his story. And then once they got on the train, like the they Illuminati, they and it was just, all gone. Yeah, the Illuminati guys are still on there. They're they're getting attacked by Illumini, Illuminati guys. They're coming up on horses, shooting at them from the inside <laughs> as the third party members coming in. After all the weird turn, twists and turns, there was, like, this guy on the train that they all kind of looked like they were dressed like Illuminati, like the yeah. guys were. So everyone was like, we don't trust any of these guys. They all had, like, <laughs> bowler hats on yeah, and yeah. suits, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there was one guy who, like, wanted to talk to him and, like, invite him to dinner. And they're like, we, this dude's going to murder us in our sleep. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. It was just a very, like it was just a whole lot of fun as a GM to run and.
0: And as it turns out, the guy that they were so paranoid about, he was just, just a, a watch nice collector. Yeah, he was yeah, a watch right. Player. That's yeah. just exactly. There was a convention <laughs> in town, and yeah. he was
1: just a watch collector. Very nice guy. Uh,
0: so
3: yeah, that's a lot of fun. Mac, what do you got? I once ran a superhero campaign in which I was newly introducing the party to the rule set. So I saw what sort of superheroes they created and decided to make a villain out of the powers basically that they didn't use the 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 uh, accompanying powers yeah they had scraps yeah they had people who were super strength and people who could fly and people who were really fast and people who had magic and i decided to go with an empath and i made him (laughs) i made him the mayor of town so that he could constantly congratulate them and provide (laughs) them with a lot of stuff and be right there all the time and every time i role played it i was going to role play him it was going to so i never actually ran this campaign right uh it was he was just gonna be the happiest, nicest guy, and it, oh, that's so creepy. He might not actually be that guy, but you definitely think he's that guy. God, that's so creepy. And it was gonna be you know empathy instead of telepathy because I wanted it to be super subtle, right? Like, and then it's gonna turn out that he's got his finger in everything. He's the dirtiest <laughs> guy in town. <laughs> yeah, he's he does. the nicest. Hey <laughs> man, <laughs> totally. What would you do? <laughs> he's the nicest guy in town, but he's also the dirtiest guy in town. It's gotta Ooh, do what's especially gotta be with done. those fingers. Yeah. <laughs>
0: very cool concept the creepy evil guy that's that's fantastic hey neighbor
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> take your shoes off or you don't want to know what'll happen oh jeez are you going to the dungeon with the others turn Oops. you into the one of the puppets and make believe <laughs> good lord
0: <laughs> the man can't even defend himself uh, <laughs> too, too soon no uh, too soon. no that's fine here <laughs> steve what do you got
2: I tried to think of one, and then I came to the conclusion that I've never run one because I usually like to have my villains be a bunch of stuff.
0: They kind of grow organically through the campaign.
2: Just kind of be like, so for example, right now I'm running a thing where it's a bunch of different tribes that may or may not be like actually friendly to the PCs right We know one of them is for sure another one maybe a third one definitely not like right. at the moment okay and I kind of use that as my like okay you guys are going out on this session you're going out doing whatever it is I have planned and if something turns out wrong I just well blame it on that third apply you apply tribe. you apply, yeah. you apply yeah. uh, bad guys as needed I, yeah, I kind of do it. Just I have like a spigot of evil that I just like. <laughs> <laughs> just open it up, yeah. get poured a glass, pop eat. that open, and then like pour oh. a shot for all the PCs. Yeah. There you go. I <laughs> really monster like for you, for, for you. you. I find it kind of hard to concentrate, uh, like evil into one character sometimes but
1: so you just did like a pretty cool vampire dude I, I, like I, I, yeah you did all those terracotta soldiers into where the the vampire was kind of controlling him stuff so that was really neat like
2: i will uh every once in a while do like a pretty strong like tough monster but i don't really consider that really yeah monsters that's not, aren't really villains. not really yeah
0: no that's nothing wrong with that you got a pool you got a pool to, to draw from and i'll
2: i'll cheese it too to where it's changed a little bit to make right. it a little bit like spiced up but even then, it's still even even just even just
0: uh, augmenting a monster. That's not a villain. That's mm, just a bad guy. Delicious DMGs. That's just hit yeah. dice. <laughs> my favorite villain I've ever ran as a GM also was recently with uh, my children. Uh, we're playing a low powered supers medieval setting, and uh, the PCs are outcasts. They have uh, been accused of a crime and they've went underground hiding, and they create. They essentially stay around the city and try to. Um, try to clear their name, try to find evidence to clear their name. In the process, uh, a terrible king has been crowned, and they're also trying to clean up the streets. Now, because they're outcast and vigilanteism is, uh, is illegal, the sheriff of the town, the uh, constable of the town, was a guy named Lucien Beauregard. He had a uh, photographic memory, which makes him a great investigator.
1: Almost like a Sherlock Holmes type of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely.
0: Uh, all the villagers in the area called him the dog nobody said it to his face, but that's what he was called because he could sniff out anything because the PCs are outcasts and vigilantes. The dog is their villain. Oh, what a great villain. So much fun. (laughs) Now, now the dog was not a guy that could match swords with any of the PCs. It just couldn't happen. He had resources. He had deputies for that. He had, uh, he had put together a strike force to catch the PCs. So he had those and those people at his, at his disposal, but his biggest, his biggest thing was that he was a—he had a photographic memory. And he would show up on the crime scenes after the PCs have shown up to stop a crime. And he would show up on the crime scene and sniff around and do his thing and just be looking, looking at everything and taking note and writing stuff down. And by the end of this campaign, I had built this villain up because they had never even talked to him because he had the benefit of GM meta-knowledge from time to time because he had larger-than-life three-point logic to fall behind uh, because he had a photographic memory. So the dog could instill the PCs with... Fear, trepidation, just by walking in the room. They could be fighting a team of bad guys that were assembled just to capture them. And they were great until the dog walks in the room to watch. And they're like, oh my god, now we got to go. <laughs>
1: oh, now it got real. Oh,
0: it was so fantastic. And the, the big epic confrontation between the dog and the party members where inevitably someone is going to give up some little bit of information about themselves that is going to put the dog directly on, on their, their trail. Path, yeah. uh, and it happened. It happened. The PCs, everybody was groaning. The kids were freaking out because now he knew who they were and what was going to happen. And, oh, it was such a great villain. And this particular villain was righteous. He was correct. And he never, ever touched the PCs. At any point was his sword drawn. It's a it was villain a, never had to fight. It was a fantastic villain. And the, the, the kids were scared to death of this guy. That's awesome. And it was amazing. All right, did, so he car- did he carry around mace? He did not carry around. hit <laughs> people he, in the face with it. He you had, know? Had, bear mace. He, he had a sword. He had a sword. <laughs> he had a sword. He had a sword. And he did not wear the funny hat.
1: No constable hat?
0: No constable hat.
3: If uh, he ever draws his sword and gets into combat with him and gets hit, it becomes the it has hit points and we can kill it thing.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah, you can't do that. And he didn't have a whole lot of hit points. He had a big bind. Nice workaround. Yeah, it was a beautiful thing. Now, I want to ask everybody a question. It's going to be inflammatory, I'm sure, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fodder for the uh, for the forums. Give me the name of your favorite villain from any medium ever. We'll start with Brian.
1: Mine's pretty easy, and it's—I know it's like a cop-out answer, but it's—it's it's the Joker.
0: That's yeah, a great villain.
1: He's the best. <laughs> it's a great
0: villain. Great villain.
1: I just so malicious and like, just because he's nuts—is that, is that not, why I mean, he's
0: nuts? He has no walls. He has no boundaries. He'll do anything. Show up anywhere. All of
1: that, and like to be honest, it's really just like a good GM. It's all about the writing of the people who are writing the books, and they've used his character as a vehicle in so many intelligent yeah. and. Innovative and smart ways that are just awesome to read. Okay, makes him a great villain. Yeah, the craziness of just like one bad, like in Killing Joke, the one bad day kind of concept. Whereas like sanity and insanity is just sort of one step. You know, it's, right? Everyone's sort of teetering the edge. He's just an awesome villain, and he looks awesome, and he's a cool, cool villain. Does a bunch of evil stuff. You just want to beat him up.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody's gonna argue with that. I'm sure. Um, Steve, favorite villain? Magneto. Magneto, another yeah. good one. Yeah. Very, very like I said epic.
2: before, you know he's got the whole. Magneto like, was right. Yeah, he, uh, like Max said. I mean, or I guess it was. I don't know if it was you, or not Nan, but oh, it was me. Yeah, he, uh, he doesn't really care that much about going after the X Men. He just. He's got his own agenda. I mean, he's got his own agenda, and the X Men just get in his way. Yeah. He's a freight train on a track. Like <laughs> he's going, and you're not going to get
0: hurt unless you jump in its way. Right. Right. And right. he's pretty powerful. Uh, I'll go next. Um, my favorite villain of any medium. this was really tough. So I just broke it down to what villain of any medium disturbed me the most that I'd seen. And the one that kept sticking out in my mind was John Doe from Seven. <laughs> now the reason the reason I say that is because he was a righteous villain. He had a point to make. He knew what he was doing was was fracking nuts. He knew it. He knew what he was doing was wrong. He kept the journals he knew that he was off his rocker but he had a point to make he had a lesson to teach that type of a guy that type of a villain the collateral damage was so great for that one guy and he was so meticulous and so tedious with what he was doing that level of insanity just disturbs me to the core. <laughs> I just cannot imagine spending that much time nursing a guy for a year after cutting out his tongue and never leaving, letting him leave the bed, and hanging up hundreds of little tree uh, uh, air fresheners. I, I just cannot even fathom. Just like horrifying inside the human mind's like deepest, darkest Ab- corner. absolutely. It. That was a deck I was in a dark, dark place.
3: It is definitely the montage from Heck.
0: Yeah, he, he was in a dark, dark place, and lots of good one-liners in that movie too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I seem to remember knocking on your door. <laughs> I seem to remember breaking your face. <laughs> <laughs> so creepy, creepy villain for me. Creepy guy. What do you got, Mac?
3: Now, I have trouble deciding which one's my favorite. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, even even right now, I keep double checking myself. I, so I'll phrase it like this: I'm going to say my favorite villain is Lex Luthor, with honorable mentions for both Khan, uh, <laughs> The Wrath of Khan, knew and, that one was coming, and Little Girls.
1: Yeah, little they're girl terrifying. Like the little, girls are, little girls are terrified. Like the, the Ring, the Ring,
3: Bioshock, Bioshock, like Bioshock. The, the the little sisters from Bioshock, the Red Queen from Resident Evil. Uh, oh yeah, I can yeah. always remember that. The, <laughs> the
0: Witch from
3: uh, Left for Dead, Alma from the Fear itself, uh, games. Fear games, or Fear games. Yeah, yeah that, yeah. Oh. Te- te- ab- absolutely. Silent, Silent gr- Hill and the little girl. Yeah, right? yeah. Little girls are absolutely terrified. Absolutely terrified.
0: Agree with that. That's a that's kind of a which is though.
1: which is silly because you should never be afraid of a little girl. My
0: little girl will be thrilled to hear this. I'm sure. <laughs> we're terrified of you. It's no, no, but really. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, Selena. <laughs> well, um, as far as as far as the villains go, we're going to go ahead and cut it off there. Uh, you guys can scream at us and tell us how uh, how stupid we are about our favorite villains on the forum. <laughs> Please, I do. will gladly defend John Doe. Although there's there's quite a few other ones.
1: And that looks like all the information we got on psychopath miscreants and madmen this week. And little girls. And the little girls.
0: Thank you for joining us for the Carpe GM Gamecast. Uh, I'm Dan. I'm Mac. Brian. Steve. So have a good night and keep gaming. Carpegium Gamecast is presented under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative License Version 3.0. For questions, comments, and other feedback, please feel free to email dan at carpegium.net or join our forum at carpegmnet slash forum. Thank you. Next time on the Carpegium Gamecast. Okay, what I, I I don't even get it. What I got the colors, I got the numbers. I understand that. but what is this? What it's what a, is this card? It's It's a, it's you, a very simple un, game. Uno. What okay, what Uno? What what is this?
3: Uno, it, it it's Spanish for one. Uh, how, Spanish?
0: What I have a
1: question. How what? do I put my cards down on the Xbox version? I just press the X well, button. Why didn't no. I just buy the American Re- really? version? I see, really? I see this game really? everywhere. It's for casuals. I don't <laughs> play these kind of games, it's, right? Yeah, that's
0: supposed know. to make it easy. Oh, come on, it's man. Not it's not even a rule book. Easy? Where's the instructions?
2: I'm, I'm not bringing games it, over anymore. Uh, uh, we can't on, do this anymore. It's so on my I, like, the They make over, like a deluxe edition that's like at least $50 because, I mean, I don't...